before I begin with this, y'all just have to know that God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> because I had this crazy title come up in my, this whole, t- uh, this whole sermon came up in my spirit, and I thought, that can't be God, that's me, that's just weird, and I put it away. And I tried to write some other things, and I just could not, I just couldn't, I'm like, you know, nothing's flowing. And I'm getting frustrated. And we're getting down to the last days. And then my husband gets up and says, well, I forget what it was he said. He said something. And suddenly I'm like, you know what? I have to go back to that. And so I said what I was thinking of doing. He said, oh, no, that's perfect. You should do that. And I'm like, and then everything started flowing. So just so y'all know, when y'all are thinking, how on earth can she build a sermon around this? Just hang with me. (laughs) All right. Everybody knows some corny knock-knock jokes, do you not? They're, they're as old as time, right? Okay, so tonight we're going to play a little game, and every time I say knock-knock, you're going to say, and I'm going to give you an answer, and you're going to say so-and-so, who? Right, all right, so, knock-knock, no bell, no bell, that's why I knocked. Knock-knock. Luke. Look through the peephole and find out. <laughs> Listen, when we were kids, we lived in this, we had this one particular neighbor, and she was such a busybody. I mean, she was, she sat in her window, and she had her little, literally, I mean, for real, she had her binoculars, and she would watch us through the, her front window. Everybody could see her. She didn't even try to hide it. And so us kids being, you know, kids, and I played with these two boys that lived across the street, so sometimes I was getting into more trouble than girls might normally get into, hanging out with those boys. I'm blaming it on them. No. (laughs) But anyway, what we would do is we'd go over there, and she was an older lady, and we'd ring her doorbell, and then we'd run and hide in the bushes and watch her come to the door looking around. Well, we'd do that a couple of times, and then she'd start getting mad, you know, and so she'd be out there, and she'd be cussing us out, even though she couldn't see us, right? And, I, you know, most of us kids have done crazy things like that. What were we doing? We were just hiding in the bushes. We were just trying to agitate her. Yeah. We were doing that by knocking on her door. We just wanted to see what her reaction is. We just wanted to see what her reaction was. Now, we lived in a neighborhood where we had a lot of peeping toms, because there was a lot of teenage boys lived in that neighborhood. We had peeping toms. Do you know the devil's a lot like a creepy peeping tom? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He just lurks around in the hedges of your life. He observes you. He's watching your, uh, you know, conversations. He's listening in, seeing what he can hear. He sees how you behave with your wife or with your husband. He watches what kind of stuff you watch on TV. Just trying to decide if one, when he comes up and knocks the door, who's going to answer it? And number two, is he going to be welcome in and be entertained? Or does he need to go run back and hide in the bushes? Huh? And so tonight I'm asking you this, knock, knock, who's at the door, from a different perspective. I'm actually asking you in the reverse. We know who's at the door. It's the enemy. But I'm asking you, who's going to answer the door? Who's going to answer the door? Is faith going to answer the door? That's actually what I'm asking you tonight. Okay? Now, 
Knock, knock. Who's there? Noah. Noah, who? Noah, anyone who can answer this door? <laughs> That's the question. Do you know how to answer the door? Who's going to answer the door? In other words, when the devil comes knocking on your door, will you send faith to answer it? Okay? Now, let's, we're familiar with this, but let's look at it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, or 11.6, I think, actually. Yes. Okay. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? Now, we've been hearing a lot about faith in the last you know, month or so. We've been going through it in school, and we had Mark Hankins here, and of course he, he preaches a, an excellent faith message. But tonight I'm coming at it from a little bit of a different angle. I want to talk to you about a, a different angle of it. Part of what started this was in Matthew, what's my reference there? Matthew 18.8, there's a story in there, and it's about the widow and the unjust judge. And we know the story. The widow keeps going to the unjust judge, and, and finally the unjust judge, because he's getting frustrated with her, gives her her answer. But what caught my attention was at the very end, that verse 8, it says, and Jesus asked this question. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? Will he really find faith in the earth? Well, that got me thinking, huh? That means that there's a real danger that we won't have real faith at the end because he wouldn't ask that question, right? right? We know that in the end times it says that many's will, their love will grow cold, and we know that faith works by love, okay? We know that. And we also know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, according to Romans 10, 17. All right, so now let's look at Hebrews 11, 1 real quick. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. Well, what is evidence? It's evidence of something not seen. What is it talking about? Well, the word is a seed. It's a seed. It's given to us in seed form. How do I know that? Well, that's a good question. Let's go look at Matthew 13, 31, and 23. It says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay, so if the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, notice it has to be put in the ground, right, to grow into something. Right? Now I want to look at another parable. We're, we're familiar with this too, but I'd like you all to look at it so you can see where I'm coming from. Let's go to Mark. And chapter 4. 
And let's look at three through nine. It says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, of course, you know, the disciples said, hey, we don't understand that. So he explained it to them. So skip over to, to verse 13. And he said, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So there it is. The word comes to you in seed form. Amen? And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, listen, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. Woohoo! That's a good word, Pastor. Thank you. And then they have no root in themselves. And so the minute tribulation shows up, okay, the minute anything comes up, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones that are sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Okay? Tonight, when I'm going to talk to you about faith, I'm going to talk to you about one particular, but there was something here I, I needed you to see. I wanted you to see on good ground are those who accept it. Who accept it. So in other words, seed can be sown on your ground, Faith comes by hearing, but it says you got to hear and hear. Right. In other words, when the, when, when the sower sowed, he scattered it on everybody's ground, but apparently it didn't grow in every ground. Right. And we're going to talk tonight about why it didn't grow in every ground. And I want to talk to you about one aspect of faith that I think we all need to work at a little bit so that it grows in our ground, okay? So now, go to Philemon 1.6. And for those of you who, like myself, find a hard time finding that little, by, little bitty by book, excuse me, it's right before Hebrews, okay? It says, <clears throat> verse 6, it says that the sharing of your faith may become effective, how? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Remember, we just read, accept. Good ground accepted it. Good ground accepted it. Now, this is talking about the sharing of your faith, but I would add to that also the ability to live a good life. You'll be effective in sharing, but first you have to be effective in living a good life, right? You have to have a good life going on. Now, I looked up that word acknowledge. You know, that's a common word, and we, we tend to think we know exactly what a common word means, and in a sense, we do but it helps us to look it up. Now listen to what it says. 
The first definition is to admit the truth or the existence of something, okay? To recognize the right or authority of a thing. To express thanks or appreciation for a thing. That's the word acknowledge. Sounds like a formula, doesn't it? Sounds like our faith formula. Here's the synonyms. To admit, accept, confess, and own. Remember, he said, and some accepted the word. So what are we talking about? Well, listen, lots of people come to church and they hear all kinds of things. I, you know, we hear, we hear the word all the time. And when you're sitting in here and you hear the word, you're like, oh, that's great. That's great. That was so good. You know, um, I, I enjoyed that word. But then there, you go and you, 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 you talk to them. Let me say this. Sunday night at our prayer meeting, Pastor was talking to us, and then he, he asked this question. He said, do you know that you're kings and priests? And everybody in here shook their head. Yeah, you know why? Because we've all heard that. We've all heard that, right? And so everybody believed that they are kings and priests. But do they really believe it? Because when you go talk to them, you see, you find out half of them's lives are falling apart. You know? You go say, well, how you, you know you're a king and priest? Yes, but let me tell you, this and this and this is happening to me. But I thought you said you know you were a king and a priest. Yeah, 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 I know about that verse. Um, but what I'm talking about, you see, Teresa, what's happening? What's happening? Now they know the verse. They've heard it. They've heard it. You want to know what's happening? Mental ascent. Mental ascent. Now what is mental ascent? Well, it's pretty simple. It means I say something to you and you say, yeah, I like that. That's great. I like the way that sounded, but it has no effect on you. Mental ascent is uh, mentally I agree with the thing, but um, experientially, you know, it, it means nothing to me. Okay, And I think that a lot of times, as Christians, we're in this place where we're in mental ascent. Okay? We're, we, we think we have faith. We really do. We think that we, you know, we're on top of this. Right? I think I skipped ahead. I did. <laughs> That's all right. Okay? So, the Bible talks to us about mental ascent. I want to I say something about that. Let's go to James 1, 22 and 23. And I'll back up in a minute. But let's just go with the flow. <clears throat> it says, But be doers of the word, <clears throat> and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in the mirror and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He observes himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Why? Because so, so apparently it takes more than just having heard a word. Right? 
And uh, otherwise, everybody be doing great because we hear all kinds of words. Everybody in here ought to be living so victorious, including myself. Now, I'm preaching to me too. Don't, don't, don't for a minute. Don't for a minute. But here's the thing. People are trying to fight spiritual battles with natural weapons and carnal weapons. In other words, the devil comes knocking on your door and you say, but I, I just don't feel like it. I'm tired. I, you know, I feel sick. And you're right, I am sick. And, uh, and we answer with our feelings. And everything that we do, we check with our feelings or we check with the natural world. Okay? The Bible gives us a formula for this, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Like I said, I've gotten off of my, I got off my notes here. <laughs> All right. It says that every challenge and every knock on our door from the enemy, we have to guide our responses. We have to acknowledge the spiritual. We cannot answer the door of every challenge with our feelings. But that's what we're doing. We're, you know, the enemy comes knocking on our door and we're, we're checking with how we feel about a thing. You can't fight a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, right? Okay? So, knock, knock. Boo. Hey, don't cry about it. Don't cry about it, okay? Crying about the situations are not going to help us. Joyce Meyer said something one time, and I've always thought of this. I, I refer back to it. It says, you can either, she said, you can either be powerful or you can be pitiful, but you cannot be both. And so we got to choose. Am I going to be powerful or am I going to be pitiful? Right? Okay? So... That means I'm going to have to come to the mirror, first of all. How am I going to be good ground? How am I going to be good ground so that these, these words, these seeds, these promises, uh, you know, th this man that I see in this mirror, the Bible, how am I going to get that to grow up into a tree? How am I going to stop the enemy from coming to the door and stealing it from me? How am I going to get faith to answer the door? That's the question we're asking, right? Okay, so the Bible tells us. It says that first I'm going to have to go to the mirror and find out who I am. We just read that, right? Okay, now let's look at James 1.25. Just, just skip down. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Did you hear that? And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. In other words, it's not enough for me just to hear it. Right. It's not enough for me to come to church and hear it 25 times. Right. I may come to church for years. There are some believers that have come to church for years. Right. And they don't have victory in their lives. Amen. Why? Because they go right away from this mirror and they forget because they're not a doer. So, then... What is the doing that we had to do for, for Philemon 1.6? It said we're going to have to what? We're going to have to accept. We're going to have to acknowledge it, right? And remember what I said about that? 
wish I could remember, <laughs> says admit, accept, confess, and own. That's right. Admit, accept, confess, and own. So first of all, I have to admit, you know what? God is God, and he said this, Amen. and it is in his word. And he has the right to tell me how things really are, despite what I feel. I have to accept it. If he said I am a king and a priest in this earth, then I am a king and a priest in this earth. Now, now listen, that was the highest, that is the highest offices in the land. The highest offices in the land. A king can decree a thing and it is done. And a priest was the only one who could go before God and get prayers answered and get people forgiven. Okay, so I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to accept. God said, yeah, you know what? God did say I'm a king. I accept that. I can't consult my feelings because right. I might not be feeling like a king and a priest. Right. I'm going to have to concept, I'm going to have to accept that, right? Yes. Then I'm, then, now here it is. Then I'm going to have to confess it. Right. I'm going to have to confess it. What I'm talking about is when the enemy comes to your door. What's your answer? Who's answering? Who's answering? Is your feelings answering or is your faith answering? Okay? This is huge. It's huge. Then I got then I will own it. Notice own comes after. I admit, I accept, I confess, and I will own. I will own. Let's look at uh, real quick, let's take a look at Joshua 1:8. Y'all are familiar with that, and I'm Okay, she got it up there. All right. It says, And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, what? Meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So there's something more than just hearing. I have to take the seed. Then I got to get it down into my ground. How am I going to do that? I'm doing it with meditating, confessing. Then it's going to spring up. Then I'm going to be prosperous. Right? Now listen, I also can't answer that scripture with my feelings. I can't answer that with my carnal self. Well, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. I've been working all day. I'm tired. You know? I went to school, and I've been at church, and I've been here, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I'm exhausted. I, don't, I just want to sit down and watch TV. Besides, I've heard that verse about a million times. I've read it myself. I, uh-huh. Well, who's going to answer the door? That's all I'm asking you. Who's going to answer the door? If you want to own it, you're going to have to do the work to grow it up in you. If you want to own the promises of this Bible, if you want the Word of God and what He's promised you and what He's said to you, it requires some action on your side. And let me just say this, that is what faith is. And everything that we do in our Christian walk is by faith. Everything. 
doesn't matter what it was. You got saved by faith. Everything you're going to do comes by faith. It all came to you in seed form. Let me give you an example. When Jerry and I, and I have referred to this before, when Jerry and I were going through all that financial downturn and back in 2006, 8, whatever that was, and everything was just going crazy, look, we, everything was going crazy, and I was new in this I was pretty new in this. It wasn't in me good yet. And so I was trying to learn it and do it while I was in the middle of the battle. Can I tell you, I don't recommend that. <laughs> just go ahead and do it before the battle comes, okay? Just, just be prepared. When he comes knocking on your door, be settled, be rooted, be grounded. Don't wait until you're in the battle. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's hard to battle your feelings when, when the storm is going around you and all you can see is disaster on every side. Yeah. And you're in there and you're trying to stand in your faith and you're fighting and you're saying and I, and, and I would say it through the tears. I'd say, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. I refuse to be anxious about anything. I cast all this care on him because he cares for me. Yeah. The whole time I'm crying. Lord, I cast the care of this on you. I don't know what we're going to do, but you promised you'd take care of all of my needs. Satan, you get your hands off me. Okay. <laughs> now listen, I won some battles because God's merciful to us. I was standing on it even through my feelings. What am I telling you? Did I feel like it? No, I didn't feel like any of that was true. I couldn't see it being true. I could, everything I saw said it wasn't true. But I chose... I'm trying to tell you something here. I'm trying to tell you it's a choice. Yeah. You're never going to feel like. You're never going to feel like it. Amen. If you wait to feel like it, you're not going to feel like it. Amen. It's a discipline. It really is. It's a discipline. But, listen, you can be powerful or you can be pitiful. But you can't be both. Well, I don't know about you, but I choose powerful. Listen, Jesus died he died such a death. Have you ever thought about the death he died? It was heavy. It was horrible. Not just the physical end of it. That was enough. That was enough to, that, that, that's beyond. If you ever think about it, that was enough. But then I want you to think about he went to hell. And he did all that to give me everything that's in here. He did that to give that to you. See, he loved you like that. He paid such a price for it that I just feel like it's almost criminal for us not to walk in it. I do. I feel like it's almost like a slap in his face for us not to walk in it. To do everything we can to walk in it, no matter, no matter how you feel. Right? No matter how you feel. Just get up and do it. <laughs> just be committed. Just read that word over and over. Put it in your mouth. What are you challenged with? Get the verses out. Stop being lazy. Amen. <laughs> go find the verses. Look, if Jesus could die and go to hell to give you that promise, the least you can do is pick up your phone and say, Google, where do I find yada yada? It's not that hard. It's really not. It's not like when I started way back and you had to get the concordance and look up every, word, every verse that had that word in it before you could find the one you wanted. It could take you hours to find the verses. I mean, nowadays it's simple. You just ask Google. If you know a little bit of that verse, you don't have to know all the references. You can find them. I do it all the time. 
I share that with you freely. I want you to know I do that because I want you to do the same. When I don't remember the reference, because sometimes I'm just really bad at remembering those, ad those addresses. I can quote the verses to you. I just, for some reason, can't remember where they live. Okay? So, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Amen. You can do that. Do it. I'm telling you, do it. Okay? So then what happens when we meditate on it day and night? See, at first it's mental assent. I heard it. I believe it but I don't have any reality of it. But then I start meditating on it, and I meditate on it, and I meditate on it. Now, meditate just means to say over and over, to chew on, to think about, to imagine. Yeah. Get your imagination involved. Imagine yourself being that. Pastor said, do you see yourself as a king? Do you see it? Not do you hear it. Do you see it? You meditate on it until you see it. You meditate on it until you see it. Everything you do, you see it. Then what happens? Well, now a spirit of faith kicks in. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I now have faith in what is written. I believed... And therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Amen? Amen? What does that mean, Teresa? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that when the devil comes to your door and says, Hey, you're sick. Faith answers the door and says, Oh, no, devil. No, no. No, no. According to Isaiah 53, 5, By his stripes I am healed. Amen. According to Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, and he's quickening, making alive. Quickening means making alive my mortal flesh. Listen, is the Holy Spirit big enough to deal with your sickness? Is he big enough to overcome your sickness? Yeah, I believe he is, isn't he? Amen. Now listen, you'll be tempted to be pitiful. You'll be tempted. I'm telling you right now, you'll be tempted to be pitiful. You know why we do that? We, we want to open our mouths and we want to talk about our situation. We want to tell people our situation. Part of the reason we do that it'll, it, it is because it'll get us attention and we confuse attention with love. We confuse attention with love. You have got to unhook attention from love. You've got to be secure in love of God. All right, you can have people's attention, but you'll keep you'll keep what you have. You'll keep your problems. That's the reason we seek attention because it feels like love to us. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm. I'm. Things are bad. Now listen. If you've got a faith story, if you want somebody to, help, it, it can be helpful. If somebody's pitiful around you, and you've got a good faith story where you can tell them, you know what, I went through something like that, and here's what God did for me. Now, that's good attention. Give them that attention. But other than that, don't you sit around and go, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Poor thing. You are not helping them. You are helping them stay in their problem. I'll never forget this. I've shared this before, too, but I keep coming back to it because it was just so powerful for me at that time. When we were going through all that, and one day I was... I had preached and I had talked about it, and Miss Ethel, little Miss Ethel, y'all know who she is. She's, 
She hasn't been here for a while, but she usually sits over here. I love that little precious lady. And she said to me, she said, you know, Teresa, she said, one time my husband and I, we went through something like that. He was in a business, and he had a partner, and I don't know what all happened, but the business went south, and the partner took the money, and basically they were left with nothing. And so they went bankrupt, and they were losing their house. Well, Jerry and I were losing our house that we had lived in for 17 years, and they weren't even willing to work with us. Never, you know, uh, y'all remember that time. Everything was going really bad. And she said, the day they they packed up, they had the, they had rented a U-Haul, and they were out there, and they had put all their stuff. Now, this is what's, I, (laughs) I, I, this is so strange. The place she was talking about is the place that my husband and I now live, the place she was moving out of. I sometimes still get mail for her and her husband, and I take it to, I bring it to her. That's really, it's very cool how God does things, no? And she said, on the day we were moving out, she said we had everything in the U-Haul, and we had no idea where we were going. We had no money to go anywhere. We had rented the U-Haul. And we had our stuff in it. We had no money. We had no family to go to. We didn't know what we were doing. And she said she got in the truck and she said, well, Father, you're always with me. And if you want me to sleep in the U-Haul tonight, then that's what I'll do. I'll sleep in the U-Haul tonight. And her husband said to her, you know, Ethel, let me just go check the mailbox. She said, honey, I already checked it. He said, well, let's just check it one more time. So he went to get the mail out of the mailbox. And in the mail, there was an envelope addressed to him, very official looking, so he opened it from some lawyers. And inside that envelope was $58,000 that he had inherited from an aunt that he didn't even know. He didn't even know her. He, did, he, he doesn't know how that happened. Well, I do, God, yeah. right? Amen. What am I saying to you? Miss Ethel was a faithful, godly woman. She was quoting the scriptures over her, her situation, no matter what it looked like. And it looked bad. It looked really bad. She didn't quit. She didn't, she didn't lay down and say, well, that's it. Yeah. It doesn't work. God doesn't love me. It ain't happening. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> She said, no, no, she was faithful right to the end. Well, you know what, God, you're with me. You're with me. If I got to sleep in this U-Haul, I'll sleep in it because you're with me. She didn't give up her faith, and God, would, God rewarded that. that. In other words, she planted that seed in her, my God shall supply all of my needs, according to his And it grew into a tree right when she needed it. Amen. It grew into a tree. Now listen, you can be powerful. Or you can be pitiful. Choice is yours. We've got a choice. Well, if you're powerful, when the devil comes to you, knocking on your door, and he says, hey, you're broke. And faith answers with Philippians 4.19 and says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And listen, he loves to meddle in our finances. You know why? Because it affects every area of your life. Yeah. I mean, anybody that tells you money ain't important, they're lying. And you can pretty much look at them and say, you're broke. Because only broke people say things like that. 
Everybody knows money is important. Now we're not talking about we're not talking about the love of money, but we're talking about that money's important. It's, it's, it's a tool. It, we got to have it, right? And so don't get mad when we take up tithes and offerings in the church because they don't give you the electricity free just because you're a church. Okay? And they don't, they don't do that. They don't care. All right? So you got to have money. He loves to attack us in that area. Are you going to send faith to the door? Let me tell you, that's a big area of testing. Jerry knew some millionaires during that time that literally the guy had a heart attack. He was so stressed out. He lost, they were millionaires, and he lost several houses, and I don't know what all, um, and the guy ended up having a heart attack. He was so stressed out. Now listen, we were going through some bad things, but you know our marriage survived it. We survived it. God supplied for us. Now, like I said, I was new, and I was learning a lot of things, so it didn't all go the way it could have if it, had I known I do feel I would have had more victories if I was back then where I am now, yeah. right? Yeah. But listen, God was faithful to me. Amen. He was. He supplied on every need. Why? Because I chose not to let the feelings I was having rule me. Amen. And the same goes for the sickness. When I first came to this church, Jerry will tell you, every year, like clockwork, two or three times a year, I'd get bronchitis right around this time of year. And it would be so bad, I'd be hacking and coughing and hacking and coughing, and it would practically always take at least three rounds of antibiotics, and I'd get over that, and then a month or two later, here we'd go again, and if I got around anybody that had any kind of cold of any kind, anything, here we go, you know. And when I, when I came here, like I said, I was learning, and one day I was sitting right about where you're sitting right there, and pastor comes walking out of this door, and I didn't know, you know, I'm at home confused, I've heard you got to receive it. <laughs> you got to receive your healing. And so, in my natural thinking, I'm thinking, well, when I receive something, somebody's handing it to me. Mm -hmm. Duh. Okay, but that was my natural thinking. I was like, well, God, how can I receive it when you haven't handed it to me? And Pastor came out and he looks at me and he starts, and then he turns back around and he says, oh, no. He said, oh, no, we're not going to put up with that. And he comes right over to me and he said, stand up. And so I stood up. He said, now, he said, you've understood that the healing was for you. I mean, he read my mail right there. We hadn't, we hadn't had praise and worship. We hadn't prayed. We hadn't done anything. We were only just beginning. He says, you've understood that the healing was for you. He said, but what you haven't understood is the receiving. He said, you receive it the same way you received your salvation. You just receive it. You believe it. He said, now hold your hands up and say, I receive it. And so I held my hands up and receive it. And he said, now that sickness, get off of her now in Jesus' name and be gone. Now, he didn't know me yet. I mean, I wasn't in the praise band. I was sitting out here. He didn't know anything about me yet. And I was just like, oh, duh. <laughs> I mean, I felt really stupid at the moment. But listen, I was trying to grow in it. And so God provided me with the answers I needed. What I'm trying to tell you is if you'll make the effort, God will run to meet you. He'll run to meet you right where you're at. When you don't understand something, you ask God. Because I had asked him. I said, God, I, I understand that you died for it. I just don't know how I'm supposed to. What a, I, I don't get it. He keeps saying, receive it. What do you mean receive it? Mm -hmm. right. 
Now, I know some of y'all are like, that's a really stupid question, Teresa. Well, at the time, that's where I was at, right? I didn't understand it. I was coming out of the Baptist church, and, you know, I just, I thought when I was healed, then that's how I received it. So, in other words, when I felt better, then I could receive that. That's what I was thinking. See, I was waiting for a natural. I was looking for the natural in order for me to receive the spiritual. It doesn't work that way. You can't send the carnal. You can't use the natural to fight a spiritual battle. Amen? Amen. It's your faith. It's your faith. Okay, so then that means, listen, the devil comes to you and says, well, who exactly do you think you are anyway? And faith answers the door and says, well, according to Revelations 1.6, devil, I'm a king and I'm a priest. I'm the body of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 12.27. And I'll tell you what else, according to Romans 8.17, I'm a child of God and an heir of salvation. Amen. 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 I'm the church devil and the gates of hell can't prevail against me. Amen. You got to know it though. It's got to be in you. You got to believe it in the face of all that he throws at you. And the way you believe it is you keep meditating on it. You keep speaking it. You grow it inside yourself and in your imagination by meditating, speaking. I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed and therefore I spoke. We think it's just nonsense and we think what a waste of time to just keep walking around saying the same thing. Do you know the world uses this? Yeah, they do. The world uses this. They call it the law of attraction. The Bible calls it what you think about you bring about. See, they took it from God, and then we get scared of it because, you know, the world's using it, and so we get scared of something like, oh, that's too new age. It's not new age. It's in your Bible. The devil only can, he can't create anything. He can only imitate. He can only counterfeit. He doesn't try to steal anything that's not powerful. Right? He, he doesn't, if it, if it didn't work, he wouldn't care about it. All right? You know, the same goes with imagination. A sanctified imagination is powerful. Part of the reason that meditating works is because you're painting pictures in your mind. Remember this, the, the, the story of the Tower of, Bab- of Babel? Y'all remember that? And they all came together and they had one language. I was just sharing this the other day on the, on the film. But it says, and they all got a vision. In other words, they all started imagining it. They started imagining, you know, we could do this. And when they got a picture in their head and they were all sharing that vision, well, then they started to do it. Now, they were using it wrongly. But the truth is, is that that's from God. Our imagination is powerful. He said, now nothing that they imagine to do will be withheld from them. Let me ask you something. How often do you sit and imagine yourself laying your hands on the sick and them receiving their healing immediately? How often do you imagine that happening? How often do you imagine walking up to somebody and God giving you a word of knowledge for them and you speak to them and their whole life has changed? You've got an open door and you can say, you know what? Jesus loves you. See, God sent me today to talk to you about that. It's powerful, but you got to imagine it. You can't just imagine it somebody else. You've got to literally imagine you doing it. you got to sit and purposely go, you know, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Listen, everything you do, you've imagined it beforehand. 
I imagined myself preaching. Uh, now I, I'm preaching, Amen. right? Amen. I didn't seek it out. Right. It came to me, but I imagined it. See, that's why they call it the law of attraction, because things will start working towards you. They call it that. But it's really what you think about, you bring about. Amen? Okay, so you got to imagine yourself being a king in this earth. Meaning, I decree a thing and it's done. you got to imagine yourself being a priest, meaning I go into the holy of holies on the behalf of me and others, and I come out with an answer. I'm able to go before the face of God and I hear him. You got to imagine when God says, My sheep hear my voice and they know it, and another they're not going to follow. You got to imagine I can hear the voice of God. I talk with God. But it's got to be something that you're interested in enough to go past your feelings. Go past your feelings. Well, I feel like this isn't working. (laughs) Well, you can have. Feelings, and you can be pitiful, or you can be powerful, and the choice is ours. Amen? The choice is ours, right? Okay, so then the devil comes to you, and he says, Ha! You're a child of God? Well, now, that's rich, because I remember when... But faith answers him with 2 Corinthians 5.21 and says, You shut up, devil. I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And listen, I got Romans, uh, uh, what am I, I mean, 1 John 1.9. I'm on the wrong thing here. <laughs> I got 1 John 1.9, and when I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me. Oh, yeah, you know what, devil? I did do that the other day. Oh, doesn't that just... Don't you just hate it? I asked him to forgive me, and I'm just as righteous as I was before. You got to answer the door with some faith, because listen, the devil's going to come knocking. He's going to come knocking. What about this one? The devil says, well, I know the Bible says all of that, but hey, why don't you just take a look around you? Take a look around you. Does it look like any of that's working? Can you see any of that Bible working for you? Huh. Looks like I'm a lot stronger than you. Mm. Faith comes back and says, let me tell you something, devil. Luke 10, 19 says, I have authority over all the works of the enemy. All the works of the enemy. You're under my feet. You're under my feet. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, My God always causes me to triumph. Always. Not sometimes. Always. What does the Bible tell us? Don't cast away your faith. Because he will reward you in due season if you don't grow weary. Amen? Amen. Are you able to stand in your faith? Do you know what makes the difference between small faith and big faith? It's not the size of the faith. It's persistence. It's standing. That's all it is. Everybody gets a measure of faith when they're saved, and we can grow that faith. But the truth is, is what makes the difference between small faith and, and, and big faith is just the one who will continue to stand and stand 
and stand and stand and they may have a heartache and they stand and they may have some symptoms of a sickness and they stand and they may have a financial challenge and they stand and their family may act like the devil and they stand and guess what happens Suddenly it all turns around. We call it the suddenlies of God. But really it wasn't suddenly. They were standing for it all along. It's just that it all of a sudden appeared here in this world. you got to remember, God's already given you everything. He says he's already given you every spiritual blessing. Listen, in the heavenly places. That means i got to bring it here. It's already yours. It's not you're trying to create anything or get anything that's not already there. God already created it. It's already yours. But you're going to have to reach out and grab it by faith. And you're going to have to stand, and you're going to have to stand sometimes for some things. And then other things, you'll be amazed. You'll believe, and it'll just be like, boom, there it is. Because the better you get at it, the easier it gets. See, the longer you've stood for something and you've, you've worked at it, you've built that muscle, and now you're able in your mind, you're able to cast down the imaginations that try to exalt themselves against the Lord Jesus. You're able to take them captivity and say, no, you're a liar devil, and stand on that faith. But it takes practice. It's like everything. You've got to practice. You've got to practice. So I'm asking you, are you going to be pitiful or are you going to be powerful? Amen. All right. So, knock, knock. Who's there? I scream. I scream scream when you don't let me in. (laughs) Let's send the devil packing, running, screaming, because we will not let him in and entertain him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, well, I am letting y'all out of here 10 minutes early tonight. Woohoo! My husband's got his hand up like we're in class. What's up? I don't know if this is applicable or not. Yeah. <laughs> do what? Oh, well, that's got nothing to do with this love, but no, it doesn't. But I guess I'll share it anyway. We're talking about you have what you say, right? And so I've been learning some things about about uh, finances and how to be responsible. And of course, even in the financial world, they talk to you about what you think. The whole world uses this, and the Christians don't. It's really sad, okay? And he was talking about mindsets of a millionaire. He said, sometimes, he said, it's what your blueprint is about money, and it's true. Millionaire people think different than you do. And the point he was, this, this one particular point, he was, he was talking about how you see money. He said, you know, often poor people, they, if they find a penny on the ground, they won't stoop to pick it up because after all, it's just a penny. He said, I'm a millionaire. He said, if I find a penny on the ground, I will pick that money up and I will say, thank you, Lord. I'm a money magnet. Hallelujah. And I'll put it in my pocket. He said, even if it's a penny, he said, I'm a multimillionaire. He says, and guess what happens? He says, all of a sudden, I start finding bigger money and bigger money and bigger money everywhere. So the other day, I was out doing the laundry, and my husband loses pennies. He loses them in the washer all the time. So they were out there, and I was looking for some money. And he talks about having these separate accounts, you know. Uh, this is not really exactly what I'm talking about tonight, but sort of. <laughs> 
And he talks about having these separate accounts and how that you start building your faith towards handling the money a certain kind of way. And so I went out there and I found the pennies and sure enough I said, Woohoo! Thank you, Lord! You, I'm a money magnet. Money comes to me wherever I go. And so I go outside to walk my dog about two hours later and I'm walking. It's dark. And I'm walking and we're walking along and I look over and I see something and I stop and I'm like, is that a dollar bill? And so I walk over there and sure enough, there's a wet dollar bill laying in my front yard. I picked it up and I said, woo, it's working already. I've, got <laughs> I've already got an increase right here in my front yard. I got a dollar. And I did myself a happy little dance and I said, woo, I'm a money magnet. And put it in my jar. Amen. And I got to tell you, no pastor talks about doing that. And I was doing that for a while. And like him, I have no idea why I stopped it. But honestly, I was finding money everywhere we go. We went to the Christian bookstore, and I was walking around saying, everywhere I go, money comes to me. I'm a money magnet. And we went to the Christian bookstore, and I looked down, and sure enough, there was a wad of money, and I picked it up, and it was something like 15, or 20 to $15, I forget. I was like, whoa, I found this money, awesome. Then we went out to the fairgrounds. We were going to a gun show, I think it was. And so, you know, they charge you to get in. And we get out of the car, and I walk around, and I find, uh, I forget how much that was, too, but it was exactly enough to pay for us to get in. I was like, woo, I'm a money magnet. I mean, I was finding money everywhere I go. So, hey, there's a fun one for y'all to start out with. Start saying that. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. So if anybody loses money, you're going to find it. Amen. All right? Okay, well, thank you guys. I appreciate you. I'm going to pray, and we'll go ahead and go home, okay? Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to the people. Lord, I just pray that we would rise up and be a people of faith, and that, Lord, we would we would. We would literally see the manifestation of everything, everything that Jesus died to give us. Jesus, you paid such a high price. We don't take that for granted. I thank you for all the blessings that you bought me. You've given me everything, everything. Father, help us to walk in it and believe it and walk in it. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.